0: Welcome to Honest Money, your best guide to financial freedom. I'm Warren Ingram, the author of a few best-selling books, and I'm also an award-winning financial planner, and I've helped thousands of people on their journey to financial freedom. I'm not here to tell you what to do, but I am here to share my experience and the best ideas that I've learned, and I hope these ideas help you on your journey to financial freedom. Good morning, thank you. This is view I'm sorry by my voice, I've fluent cough. I've been trying to make savings from a very low monthly income, but each time I make those savings, I face serious problems that force me to use money from my savings account. In recent years, I bought few stocks because I've always had plans to create another source of income, but still, I've not been able to grow my investment. My financial status never seemed to improve. How can I overcome this financial problem? Thank you Thank you for so much for that question. It's a really uh, I think a really relevant one to a lot of people who are saving and trying to build up their their capital from a low base, you know where, where you're starting out in life and you' you're trying to get ahead and often life happens and you need to access your money and and you just feel like you're never actually going anywhere. And I think I've got a couple of comments. I think the first one is it it sounds to me like you might need to focus on building up your emergency fund. First, before you start um, trying to st- save more money on a monthly basis for your investments. Uh, you know, and, and uh, just to talk it through, you know, your emergency fund should cover somewhere around three to six months worth of your expenses. So if you're spending 10,000 a month, that means you need to save, you know, between 30,000 to 60,000 Rand. A- and that should be saved in a money market account or a savings account linked to your banking profile And it's not an investment. It's not the thing that's going to make you rich. But what it will do is it will help you when when life happens and you need to access money for something, you can go there and and use your emergency fund instead of having to sell your long-term investments where where you then have to start um, from scratch again. So so I think before you start adding more money to your long-term investments, make sure that you build up your emergency fund. It is one of the things that will help you on your path to financial freedom and it's a critical step that a lot of people ignore because they think it's very boring to just have a savings account or, or an emergency fund. I think the second thing is it's important to remember that you're you know when you're starting out with a small amount of money and you're saving a little bit every month and you're putting it into investments, it's going to feel like those investments are going nowhere uh, be, because it takes a long time for your capital to start growing and, and actually start creating its own source of wealth. You know, and, and we're talking about compounding now and and you know i remember one of the banks had an ad where they said you know you've got to get your money to make money babies and that's what compounding is you know when you've got 100,000 rand invested and it grows by 10,000 or 10% i should say that means it grows by 10,000 rand and that's when your money starts to actually grow on itself and that's a critical principle of of saving and investing but you know when you've only got 100 rand saved and it grows by by 10%, you know, then that's only 10 Rand. And then it feels like nothing's really happening. So the more money you can allow to to stay invested for the longer period of time, the more you'll see your compounding start to work. But that means that you've got to be patient and you've got to keep saving as much as you possibly can, as fast as you possibly can, so that you build up that capital to, to the point where it starts to generate meaningful growth. And I think it'll take a lot of people, most people, in fact, somewhere around, six to eight years to save their first million rands worth of investments. And once you've got your first million, it speeds up and then you can get to sort of two million after maybe four or five years and then three million after another three years. So, so it does it, it's important to know that that you, you know the, the, once you've got your first million you, you've done the hardest part of the job and and then things start to go, to work in your favor. But all I can tell you is get your emergency fund, stay disciplined, don't lose focus. Don't lose hope. Um, you know, it, it's important now just to stay the course. You know, sometimes the reason some people get to financial freedom be, before others is that they just simply stay uh, on the path. They stay in the game. They keep doing what they're going to do. Uh, they stick to their plan. And then they look back one day and they go, wow, that wasn't uh, as hard as I thought. And there are lots of other people that could have been on the same path, but but they just found it too hard to stay disciplined. So, so th- th- those are my words of, of advice to you. I know it's not a miracle, I know it's not the easiest thing in the world to do, but that is the way to get to financial freedom. All the best of luck. Hi Warren, how are you? I'm looking into investing in uh, single shares and so I'm trying to get a sense of understanding in terms of like, what is it that I need to look at exactly when I'm... uh, when I'm looking at the companies that I want to invest into, like, for example, like, do I need to track their previous track record in terms of how they were doing in the stock market? Or do I need to check what they're currently doing currently right now? And yeah, i just curious to find out, like, what are the key components that I need to focus on to check if maybe is the company that I'm trying to invest on worth investing on? Thank you very much. Uh, you know, asking about investing in single shares is is one of the more difficult questions to answer in a in a podcast because it's uh it's quite a lengthy exercise you know to explain and I think there are lots of books that have been written about uh, investing in shares and there are thousands of different ways that people look at at share investing. So I'm not not going to pretend to give you the most comprehensive answer possible, but what I will do is give you the things that I think are are really important. I think my first comment to to make when you when you're investing in shares is to understand that your your risks are much higher when you choose an individual share compared to choosing a unit trust or a uh, an index because those investments are much more spread. You know they they own fifty or hundred different underlying investments, whereas a single share you're literally buying one share that's that's doing one type of business and it'll be listed in one country in one stock exchange. So. The, the risks of of your of something happening to your money are quite high because you know you've you've got all your eggs for example in one basket. So my first comment is if you're going to be a direct share investor, make sure that you don't just buy one share when you start your portfolio. I, I think you need somewhere around 12 to 15 shares to to have a properly diversified portfolio of shares. And they need to be very different from each other. You know, it doesn't make sense, for example, uh, if you're going to build a share portfolio to only buy companies that are in the tech sector. You know, you need to buy companies that are in all different sectors at the same time so that if something happens to the tech sector, that's not going to destroy your whole portfolio uh, because you also have other shares as well that, that that are in the retail sector, as an example. So important to make sure that you've got a good spread of assets when when choosing your individual shares as well. So So the, the last point around diversification is, if you can buy shares that are listed in different countries that, that do business in different countries as well, because you don't necessarily want all of your uh, businesses' interests to be attached to one country. You know, if you can have shares that are doing well uh, and operating in, in economies from America right through to China, you a know, much better idea than all of them being in America, or all of them being in China, or all of them being in South Africa. You know that geographic diversification is, is equally important. And then I think just to look at some of the key factors, you, you asked about what are the key factors to consider when buying a share. Uh, I think for me, uh, the, firstly, understanding the price of the share compared to the profits that the company generates. Uh, I think that's a very important ratio because if a company's share price is doubling and doubling uh, you know, year after year, but the profits that the company is making are only going up by, let's say, 10% a year. It means that that price one day is going to be so far out of line with the ability of the company to generate profits that, that it's sure for that company to fall over in terms of its share price one day. And that happens a lot because, you know, investors get too excited and too optimistic about the, the prospects of a nice, uh, a, a nice share that's being well managed with, you know, great prospects. And so they start to buy that share and they create their own hype. And all of a sudden that share price goes up and, you know, goes completely ballistic. And which is great while you're in it, but the problem is the company can't keep delivering profits that are going ballistic along with the share, uh, the share price. What that means is the the company's share price is just going to become too expensive, and then one day when investors get disappointed because the profits are only going up by ten or fifteen percent a year, uh, they're going to sell that, that that share, and that could cause the share price to fall over again. And I think it's a a, a very important message to understand that share prices are very different from uh, from the actual business of the company, so uh, you know you might have a brilliant company if I think about apple at the moment you know apple's just a brilliant business it 's being incredibly well managed you know their products are good the customer satisfaction surveys are are incredible uh, you know they 're generating really good revenue, but you know that doesn 't mean that the share price isn 't expensive because I think a lot of investors are expecting that that share to just keep going up you know beyond all reason beyond all logic. And that doesn't make sense. So, so I think it's important to know that there's a big difference between the price and the profits. The way you would measure that is, uh, if you want to look at the price and the profits, is you look at something called a P.E. ratio, a price earnings ratio. And that's simply measuring the price of the share versus the profits. And, and I think there, you know, depending on the type of share in the, in the sector that it operates in, you, you need to be careful when a P.E. ratio goes above 15 for, for a company the tech sector has a history of of being able to tolerate higher pe ratios often you know 25 and higher but uh, but for example if you see a pe ratio of 50 uh, what you need to know is it's telling you that it's 50 years of profits for the current share price and and i just think that's crazy you know that's far too expensive so so just be careful of pe ratios i think they're a very good indicator of if the share you're buying is going to be uh, you know good value or or not Another factor that's important to me is how much cash does the company generate? You know, so, so you actually want to look at the, the balance sheet of the company and look at the cash, uh, the cash generation ability of a business. A lot of the time, you know, companies have this great growth story and they, they tell you about how wonderful they're going to be and how they're going to dominate markets. But when you actually look at how much cash they generate, they, they use all of that cash to keep reinvesting in the business. So there's no profits, uh, you know, and all of that growth is basically being funded by profits that could have been paid to shareholders. Not always a bad thing uh, when a company is growing fast, but, but the ability for a company to turn its growth into cash, I think, is, is really important. And then I think the other thing is, what's the competitive advantage of that company that you're buying? You know, so, so if you're buying a business that's fairly unique, uh, that's very different from its competitors, it means it, can, it has a, some control over the prices that it's going to charge for its services or its products. And that, that could help it to earn good profits over time. Whereas if a company doesn't generate uh, you know, some sort of competitive advantage over anybody else, it means it has to compete on price all the time. And if it's only competing on price, that, that means that it's not going to be able to make much profits, which means you know, as a shareholder, you're not going to be very well rewarded for, for the, 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 the investment that you do there. And I think the last thing for me is the the history of a company and what it's done in the past is is a is a good thing to know. But what I really want to know is what are the future prospects of the company? You know, how, how competitive can it be in five and 10 and 15 years time? And what will set it apart from the whole industry and the whole sector? So so future prospects is, is is, is a very good one for me. And I think understanding, you know, if we're talking about tech companies, you know, what's their research and development, you know, what's their pipeline of future products or services that will set them apart from everybody else? Uh, if it's a, a, manu- a manufacturer of pharmaceuticals, you know, equally important to understand how much are they investing in their research and development, because they need to be the ones that will develop new vaccines, new drugs, you know, new ways of curing illnesses. And then they need to be curing the illnesses that are, are most common, you know, the ones that bug people the most, because that's a very nice market for, for them in the future. So, so that's a, a short summary. I think, you know, um, if you're going to do share investing, the one thing I can say to you is you need to do an incredible amount of research because, uh, you, you know, share investing can be re- very rewarding, but often very risky as well. On that note, I think I'm going to end that one and, uh, and suggest you do a lot of reading. There's some uh, great books by an investor called Peter Lynch. Uh, he, he's a, a world-famous actual mutual fund manager, so he's got a long history of buying shares, but also a great writer on, on, on how to choose shares. And then, obviously, anything by Warren Buffett on, on how to choose shares is, is, is always worthwhile reading, especially his shareholder newsletters. Good luck, and I wish you all the best. Thank you for listening to Honest Money. If you have any questions, you're welcome to reach out to me on Twitter. My handle is at Warren Ingram. Don't forget to subscribe. We're on Spotify and Apple Podcast. Chat soon.